When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hello there, and welcome to It's an S-Pod Thing, the podcast revisiting every episode of S-Club 7's insane TV show. I'm Sophie Davis, and joining me on this journey from Miami to Spain will be a range of guests who may or may not have seen the show before. Either way, we're going to analyse it in more detail than anyone ever asked for. If you're an S-Club fan like me and remember watching the show, hopefully this podcast will bring it all back to you. So my guest on the podcast today is Sachandrika Chakrabarti. Hello. Hello. So I want to start by asking, what is your history with S-Club 7? And have you ever seen this TV show before? So my history with S-Club 7 is... Reach for the Stars was very much my anthem at uni. Mm-hmm. So I was at uni between um, 2001 and 2005. And Reach for the Stars makes me think of sticky floors, sticky carpets, which is worse than a sticky floor, mm-hmm. um, vodka Red Bulls, like handkerchief tops, just the whole 2000s thing. The thing that like 16 year olds are nostalgic for on TikTok now. Um, actually lived that. And I never saw the show. And when I say never saw a show, something about the rhythm of that makes me think never had a dream come true. <laughs> um, so now my dream has come true. I've seen one episode of this show. Yeah. If you were in uni when they were big, then I think it's fine that you didn't see the TV show. If you had seen it, I would have been concerned. <laughs> like what's, what's interesting is that at uni, we managed to all sit down together and watch Neighbours at lunchtime. And then possibly, if you were having a very bad day, Doctors. Um, I mean, that's a sign of a bad day, isn't it? I'm just going to watch this very boring show. Um, some Sometimes, very occasionally, things were so bad that you would sit through to the second Neighbours at tea time. So, I mean, that's a terrible day. But no one was watching, like, I'm guessing this was on, uh, it's not CBeebies, but like... CBBC. Yeah, which I, I'd aged out of by then, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, back it started in 99, the show, which I didn't realise. I would have been uh, fifth form, sixth form. Um, I probably was about the right age then, but I was not aware of this show at all. The Radio Times has much to answer for. Yeah, that's the thing that, you know, we still remember the music now. We still remember Reach, but uh, this show has been collectively wiped from people's <laughs> memories. Do you think there was a like a government plan, like sometime in the late 2000s, <laughs> our children are being affected by the show? I think maybe it was Simon Fuller. He was like, we need to remove this from people's minds. <laughs> yeah. They're not okay. So today we're talking about Hollywood 7 episode 9, which is called Alone Again. And it aired on CBBC on the 22nd of November 2001. Um, it's got quite a bleak title, this one, Alone Again. I guess it's referring to Dean losing his job. I was thinking about this before and I was like, who is alone again in this episode? Who is this referring to? Yeah, it's the choice have like two strands, which I'm not sure if they do in the other episodes, but you've got the Rachel Stevens literal strand of grey hair. I didn't even 
wasn't even trying to make that pun, uh, which I can't see. And then it made me look up her age. So I, I was always thought I was the same age as Rachel Stevens, but she is a few years older than me. She's older than I thought she was. This, this is no judgment on her. Aging is good. It's better than the alternative. Please, everyone keep aging. But um, I was like, oh, okay. So she's like 23 when this is being filmed. Um, mm-hmm. A grey hair wouldn't be crazy. Um, but she really has quite the meltdown. And and then what she does at the end of the programme, maybe I won't mention it yet. I wonder if it slightly, slightly was about her as well. Like she could have, does she, have, is she meant to have a boyfriend? And I, I did Wikipedia this stuff, but the timelines are just very off for me. <laughs> Nothing makes sense in this. No. There's no consistencies. Okay. This is right. very much like an episode of Two Halves, I feel, because we've got the quite existential first <laughs> half where aging is a big thing. And then we've got the second half where they, for very flimsy reasons, decide to barricade themselves in their own home. And like a lot of the show is devoted to this weird home alone situation. And you're just thinking, is it, are they definitely trying to appeal to the home alone generation, which I would say I definitely am. In which case they're going a bit too old. Maybe. I don't know, and maybe like Home Alone. A much worse version of Home Alone as well. I mean, like a really basic version. Hannah hiding her nose in a spoon and thinking <laughs> Hannah having a war helmet from like the Second World War. Very <laughs> concerned. How does she just have that to hand? What's going on with Spirit, man? She's meant to be like the baby spice of this group and she's got World War II memorabilia just hanging out in her room. So yeah, so quite a dark side to Hannah's emerge, which is treated very lightly, like, ha ha. Um, but no, deeply worrying. Um, Tina, who I would say was my favourite of the group, a bit of an offbeat choice. Nobody else <laughs> I've ever met has ever said that. Um, I felt she was underrated at the time. It was all about Rachel out of the girls. Uh, did anyone talk about the boys? Tina was my favourite as well because I used to dance and she was always like the dancer of the group, like the choreographer in this show. So I think that's why I like Tina. And watching it now, I enjoy, you you said the word offbeat. I think her line deliveries are quite offbeat. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I was listening to, I think the the episode you did with Helen Bauer and there's... Yes. Yes, yeah, there's some weird, she delivers some weird, there's like just very normal and then some yelling and... I like that. I, I like that you don't know what's going to happen with her. I looked up John just now and didn't realise he'd only come out in 2010. So I was mm. watching this thinking, of course, John is gay. But then but in 2001, that was not public information. And I, I don't know if that was something he knew himself. And so that, for me, that is so interesting. Was he, because he kind of comes across as like someone who's going to sort everything out and and like tell the girls they're absolutely fine. And and it comes across differently if you if you think, oh, is he actually trying to crack onto them? Or, oh, absolutely, he definitely isn't trying to crack onto them. Um, yeah, because in this show, he has like, you know, romantic storylines with women yeah. and things like that. And it's, you know, watching it as an adult, you're like, come on. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, at the time, it's weird. We just kind of watched it as children and just didn't really think about it. Because, yeah, I guess we didn't have that sort of representation on, on TV, so we just didn't know. Um, but, yeah, it is... To be honest, the attitude that all of the boys have in this show towards the girls are quite like, oh, you're gross, like almost like a brother sister sort of relationship. (laughs) Like it's not really implied that they're going to be sort of like getting off with each other. It's very like, oh, you're disgusting because you're in the band with me. Yeah, I suppose it's a bit like adults playing school, school children, late, like late school age 
kids in a way. Mm-hmm. Like there's a safety to it. No one's no one's going to get sexual except Rachel's allowed to ask people out or have a boyfriend. But as long as nothing happens with them on screen, she's allowed to be a bit sexy. And Rachel was the sexy one in the band. She was the one everyone fancied. And I never kind of understood that. Not not there's anything wrong with her, but I was like, why do the other girls get ignored? Like they're in a band where surely the requirements would be some level of hot. They're all like telegenic. They're all photogenic. Um, and I suppose they're playing on that in this episode with Rachel being the one who has the grey hair, Rachel having this overreaction, buying a a gallon-sized bucket of anti-aging cream, I think. I don't know what that was, but it was terrifying. Again, like she just has that to hand. So disturbing. Um, it was huge. Yeah, it um, seems quite deliberate that it's Rachel that has mm. this storyline. Um, the way the episode starts is quite odd because it's quite a sort of downbeat opening where Rachel is getting out of bed, going to the bathroom. She discovers she has to, a grey hair and there's like no background music. It's all quite silent apart from the sound of a tap dripping. <laughs> And also it happens before the episode title comes up, which is unusual because normally we get like, you know, the opening titles, the episode name comes up and then we're into it. Whereas here we get this whole sort of like opening scene where it's really bleak and she's like, oh my God, I'm old. And then the episode title comes up. And I don't know if it's the same for your version, but my version has French text for some reason. And so when the episode title came up, it was like La Question d'Age, which I think added to the whole bleak yeah. feeling of the episode. Yeah. yeah, I did this kind of like Sartre kind of feeling. But it's a kind of like play for today, Radio 4 episode, <laughs> isn't it? But um, I just wonder how much this ageing storyline, how much kids really connected to that they were like yeah this this feels like what i'm going through at primary school and yeah i don't know and it doesn't help because kids kind of assume everyone over 15 is nearly dead so it does it just adds that image of like yeah everyone's old by this age like it doesn't help anyone 23 is like demonstrably a baby of an age and one great i don't know it says terrible things about women and I, I felt I felt it wasn't sympathetic towards women and how the culture fixates on our looks. I felt it was kind of like, ha look at Rachel having a meltdown. And that is very problematic in 2021. Yeah, the episode is written by a man. Um, okay. Which, <laughs> as most of them are. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it, yeah, it's quite bleak she's obviously you know horrified she's got this gray hair which as you said before is invisible to the naked eye it's not like a sort of comedy yeah. gray hair it's like there is nothing there rachel like a skunk maybe, stripe that'd be amazing maybe there isn't actually anything there maybe she is like imagining it it's just all in her head throughout the whole episode it made me think um of another show that will be out around this time which a lot of the the main audience for at the S Club TV show wouldn't be watching, which is Sex and the City. And there's mm-hmm. a moment when Samantha finds a grey pubic hair. Mm-hmm. And like, I just couldn't help my mind going there. And again, like that was a funny scene and Samantha's in her 40s. So it's more likely that happened. I don't, I don't know, but maybe. And, and it's sad. And you wouldn't get scenes like that these days. I think there's such a simplistic view of what aging is and women's relationship 
to aging and and at what point we age at 20 and at 40 we're meant to feel muscle be over the hill it seems really silly but yeah it, i'm probably one of the few people that this show made me think of sex in the city uh they are they're very different but i'm I'm glad i've got the bleak episode because i think there's a lot to chew on here like it only gets worse when we get onto dean who i generally was very concerned for later on in this show poor and dean poor dean but yeah rachel i feel g- give her a bit more to work with i mean she she was given very little here. also did you did you notice a very interesting angle um when before joe wakes up we see her alarm clock on its side yeah and then we see her, very avant-garde for the show <laughs> surely yeah it surprised me it started and i was like oh what's happening here this isn't normal yeah i i feel like somebody dropped out of art school and they got they got to do one episode of the show and they didn't pass the test and they had to I leave. want like a French sort of moody edit of this episode, <laughs> the uh, La Question d'Age, and it's like just black and white and those sort of shots like the beginning. Somebody should definitely like like the um the fan videos for Succession. Please, if somebody's listening to this, go and re-edit this episode if you can if you can find it. Uh, that would be incredible, like a French new wave. Um, or go all the way and make it like Le Jete, um, yeah. where it's like a flip book, like a cartoon flip book <laughs> that they then made into 12 monkeys. Um, I'd love it. I want to see, I want to see this particular episode remixed because, um, they're bringing a different mood. They're really bringing like existential pain and fear of mortality, which to be fair, anyone in a boy or girl band should have because their life is over before 25. So in a way, she's right, isn't she? Like, will she be out of yeah. the band? Yeah, this episode is a cross between Sex and the City and Le Jete. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd been there when they pitched that one. <laughs> Sorry, what now? Le Jete, you know? <laughs> Le question d'age, yeah. So she's like, yeah, she's in tears on the sofa. Tina's trying to comfort her at this point. <laughs> Rachel says she's an old woman now. And John is like, what's the problem? Paul's been an old woman for years. Yeah, not great. That's why I find that I found that line weird from John. Um, yeah. Do they kind of slag off Paul like this a lot? They all slag everyone off a lot. <laughs> Just whoever isn't in the room is fair game, pretty much. That line la- lands painfully now that we know that Paul had to sell his award off yeah i'm sure this comes up every episode of your podcast but there's just a real bleakness there was a story recently earlier this year that um someone had to sell his pulitzer prize for his health care because america oh, and right. yeah just yeah when you then look back on paul's paul did not have the pulitzer prize in case anyone is <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was paul as well <laughs> he which awards did he get like a mtv music award and a pulitzer no the pulitzer was a separate human being um paul is paul's got years ahead of him to to get there but uh, let's be positive about people but yeah it, the, the fact that that's a really weird way to slag someone off and again would not fly in a show in 2021 plus paul then had difficulties that, that made me sad that line it just made me think what was john's image at that time was he meant to be kind of this big mean alpha male or like what was his deal um it turns out nobody knew (laughs) i don't know what the deal is with any of these people like they (laughs) they vary from episode to episode yeah there's the inconsistent character there's no narrative arc for their characters either right yeah exactly and while (laughs) dean's while rachel is having this meltdown 
their manager Dean is talking to Howard from the record label. Um, it's a very expositiony conversation where Howard is like, "So how's everything going with S Club Seven, Dean?" And Dean says they're going to be in the studio tomorrow recording their new CD. Exciting times! Yes. <laughs> very like two thousands way of putting it. We're re- releasing our new CD soon. And was this the first scene that had weird green screen in it? Yeah, it comes up every now and again. Yeah, I, I'm i not always the best at spotting this sort of thing. But yeah, did you think this was a, a green screeny like, bit? It, yeah, it's definitely quite a green screeny episode. It just added to this kind of, it felt like a weird dreamlike scene with these two people speaking across purposes. Howard doesn't seem to understand that S Club 7 is seven members. <laughs> That's so worrying to me. So he's just a very odd character. And then... Very kind Dean. of stoic. Very, yeah, and just getting really obvious things wrong. Dean, I think I fell in love with Dean slightly in this episode, and I'm concerned about myself. Um, he's like this beautiful member of the Rat Pack who 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 escaped, and Sinatra's looking for him. And I'm I'm just like, how is he in this show? He needs to be crooning in a bar in Las Vegas. I don't know what's going on with him. And then he's like, I've got my finger on the pulse. Look, it's pulsing. And I'm just like, that is not the way to keep your job. Um, so I had a lot of conflicted feelings myself in this scene from hating the green screen. Like being just, Howard felt like someone from a time travel movie. <laughs> and he's not getting really simple things about 2001. Um, I, I quite like that performance. And he only gets a bit stranger when he turns up again later. Yeah, but- he has some decent lines in this episode because <laughs> yeah. I quite like that bit where Howard refers to like the six kids in the band. And when <laughs> Dean goes seven, he's like, oh, you've hired another one. <laughs> yeah, it's like he's genuinely, he goes away to visit the 2050s for a week at a time and he comes back and only three seconds of bars, but he's got no idea what's going on. And, and Dean, I, I feel like the seeds of um, him, I want to put this in a polite way, but him, him like not being emotionally stable later on, you can see the seeds of it in this scene. And I don't know if he's like that in other episodes. Yeah, he's just got like- a little bit of a desperate quality to him <laughs> and like trying to be sort of down with the kids. And I don't know, I, I just, I think I'm slightly in love with him. I don't know what to tell you. I want yeah, to look Dean after him. Sweet. I quite, yeah, this scene isn't too bad. It's it's almost as if the guy who wrote this episode is better at writing middle-aged men than 20-year-old <laughs> yes. women. It's almost as though he thinks only those men um, have interior, have interiors. And and let's be honest, middle-aged white men, because Howard uh, is a weird character. Yeah, because Howard suddenly drops this bombshell, doesn't he, that he's firing <laughs> Dean as the band's manager because he wants to bring in somebody younger to replace him. <laughs> like, not mincing his words at all. He's just like, you're too old, Dean. <laughs> you're out. And Dean tries to defend himself. And he says, you know, the band like me. And Howard's like, nah, they're young people. They only have loyalty to themselves. <laughs> yeah, that's just like, where do they even come from? And also, what happened? Like, why is today the day Dean is too old? Did he have a birthday? What happened? <laughs> is there a male menopause that he hit that we don't know about? I just, why today, Howard? And again, it just makes me think he's a man who can travel into the future and he's seen things. And I like how the, the guy they hire to replace him is called <laughs> Huey, like that classic young person's <laughs> name. Just like all kids in the noughties were called that, right? Huey. Um, everything about Huey. Are we getting on to him? Yeah. Or shall I hold on? Um, he's coming in in a bit. Cause oh, yeah. yeah, first of all, at the house, 
Rachel has now got all these sort of generic anti-aging products, like <laughs> massive tubs of the stuff, like, you know, plastering the wall or something, but it's like anti-aging cream. Yeah, the, yeah. I mean, I just, I think I'm surprised they were carrying on with this storyline. <laughs> just, yeah, I mean, that's... That's true of every storyline in this show. You're just like, okay, we're, we're carrying on with this, are we? All right, let's see. It's also just like a two-scene weird situation. Like, Rachel's still not found any absolution. No, she's found grouting, apparently. And yeah, and it's just getting worse. And Tina is still there, still involved, still looking five years old. And yeah, it's just weird. Like, women not helping each other through this. You don't get the, you don't get a sense they don't like each other or anything. It's just like, Tina's just physically present, but kind of terrible at helping Rachel feel better. Yeah. Rachel says that looking young is a woman's biggest battle. So they need to arm themselves with weapons. And Tina is like, well, we don't need a nuclear arsenal. Yeah. And that just sounded like Rachel's line is from a grandmother who's from the 50s. Yeah. <laughs> Looking young is a woman's biggest battle. And why are we telling children this? Aren't we trying to like fight against that? Because it's also saying a woman's value is one thing, to look, look to look young enough to be married and reproduce. And again, Rachel is 23. Girl has got time. She's got a lot of time. Yeah, and like jumping ahead to like the solution at the end, like the resolution, it's not like, oh, it doesn't matter. The resolution is like, oh, I am young after all. <laughs> yeah. And just to like go on a slight tangent here, I've, um, we mentioned earlier before we were chatting, before we started recording, that I do this hour show called I Miss Amy Winehouse. And one thing I talk about in it is I sort of get um, an interview she had with an older male journalist. Again, I think it's important to, to say that the, older male person in this situation wrote the piece, had the power. He was quite a senior journalist at the time uh, for an entertainment magazine. And he says to Amy Winehouse, who's like 23, 24 at the time, she was someone who often said she wanted to be married with kids in 10 years time. She wanted to have Mm -hmm. three kids and all of that. And and sadly, we know that she didn't get past 27. But he said, oh, you know, back when you were 20, you said in 10 years time, you'd be married with three or four kids, whatever. And she's like, yeah. And he goes, well, some time has passed, three or four years has passed. The woman is not even 25. So you're going to have to like, in some work to get there and it's like I know and again that wouldn't work now there'd be so much Twitter pushback it's such an interesting thing to say and what's great is Amy has a great Amy's a brilliant kind of line uh, to get back at him which is oh is that a proposition because they're in a limousine together like it's you know it's I've interviewed someone in a car and it's very intimate and you've got to kind of treat it in a specific way and I just think like these sexist attitudes were around in the 2000s. They did infuse popular culture. Famous women were treated as though their stardom and their talents didn't matter. But like when you're getting onto the babies, it was a bit of a backlash to feminism, I suppose. And, mm-hmm. you know, in the 2000s, definitely we we had shows like Sex and City and so on. Like women were feminists. We were coming up the Ledet era and we were trying to have it all. I say we, it was, it was 30 something women then. So women older than us. But the way they were spoken to in the popular culture just would not work now. Um, it's, it's insane what, what people got away with. And again, it's, it's older men writing these narratives, right? So we've got this ridiculous, very outside view of how a woman would deal with a grey hair. I mean, it's just not ending. 
Why yeah, would it end? Was, um, there was like a series on recently about the Spice Girls. I don't know if you saw that. I think it was on Channel 4. And that was very like, obviously, I was a child at the time when the Spice Girls were big. So I didn't really know how they were being talked about in the papers or anything. But watching it now, it's like they were just so like the men writing the papers and the tabloids were just like, just couldn't believe that they existed. Like were just outraged by the fact that they were like women in the public eye who weren't trying to be all sort of like cutesy like it's just yeah very ridiculous and obviously there's you know all the sort of britney spears stuff from the 2000s that people have been talking about recently it's uh yeah i feel like this the theme for this episode just kind of they maybe just shouldn't shouldn't have done it (laughs) maybe they thought at the time that it was an important thing like they were doing something quite good but yeah like you said earlier as well primary school kids would not have really related to any of this not at all because like like you said there's a kind of asexuality to the show which is absolutely fine if it's for children that's just confusing for them i feel like when people get to tween teenage age they kind of are then interested in like who's dating who but if you're kind of trying to include children in this then it's fine to have them be like siblings because everyone understands that sibling kind of feeling but why would they care about gray hairs that is so weird and like just on the subject of britney there's I've read an amazing takedown of Justin Timberlake, I think in Slate this week. Mm-hmm. So if anyone is interested in the whole Britney side of things, obviously he was a big part of the story. And it's just really about how, you know, he did the Janet Jackson Super Bowl thing where he, he was meant to yeah. only pull off some material, but exposed her breast and her career has really suffered from that and never really fully recovered. But he has been kind of Teflon and he's just like gone through almost 20 years. He's, I don't think he's, he's in country music now. I didn't know this and it's not going that great, but like he was on SNL. Um, that sketch dick in a box was a very big deal with Andy Sandberg. So he's had this great career, but like there've been so many women who've been left by the wayside who've sort of come into contact with him in, in a professional manner as, as well as having a relationship with Britney and like they've not, those relationships that those women's careers have not necessarily done well, but his have. And I was like, I've never thought about Justin Timberlake's trajectory in this way mm-hmm. like all this reassessment of the noughties is fascinating but you have to like carve out time in your life to uh to be like oh we the time i grew up in was really bad mm, have i been formed by this i'm concerned um yeah but anyway back to rachel and her own i'll, I'll leave my existential crisis and we'll We'll get back to Rachel's as Rachel's written by a man. existential crisis. Yeah, she <laughs> says she's going to be a saggy, sad old balloon. That <gasps> this is horrible. This Is this very unusual writing for this show? Yeah, it's quite dark and <laughs> I was not expecting any of this. I'm really glad you gave me this episode because um, it's... I, I was too happy. No, <laughs> there's so much to, to like get into with this, but somebody's had a breakup. I think this writer has been left by a lady... <laughs> quite recently um yeah nobody wants to play with a sad saggy balloon and i'm just like again this is this is great grandma from the 30s <laughs> she's just lived through the great depression and i mean i mean the financial event but it could be either and that's amazing that is such such an amazing way to try and control women by again saying your value is as a plaything who's lovely and pneumatic and pumped up and juicy like like, oh my god wow um i i can't believe it's from 2001 when she said that line and like rachel herself shouldn't have been made to say that line either mm-hmm. um 
she's 23. She's a renowned sex symbol. She's clearly looks very young. Like, wow. What are we supposed to do with that as the audience? Yeah, it's ridiculous because Tina's there being kind of like, oh, I'll still play with you. And it's like, Tina, fight back a bit harder against this. You shouldn't be having these attitudes. And Tina, she doesn't want you to play with her. I'm sorry, babe. She's talking about men. (laughs) She's talking about men. So like, say something about, I mean, mean, all of it's insane, but like, tell her she looks incredible. Like, I don't, I don't know. There's nothing that can help an attitude like that because- it's she's just internalized the full patriarchy. I'm gonna say she, well see Rachel the character. I hope Rachel the person is fine. I'm sure she is, but um yeah, that's just full internalization of patriarchal attitudes, isn't it? Women are for this. And once that time is gone, they're dumb. Um g- great, great thing to tell children, I think. <laughs> yeah, when you're the age that Rachel is in this show, you're you're on your way to being a saggy sad old balloon. It's ridiculous. You might be two years out of university. Um, but you are done. Amazing. Wow, yeah. Now, I'm a straight-talking guy, Dean, so I'm going to give it to you. Straight from the shoulder. Maybe you've taken the band as far as they can go. What do you mean, Howard? What I mean, Dean, is we need new blood. Someone with their finger on the pulse. Oh, no, no, no. I have my finger on the pulse. There it is, pulsing. I think it's a different pulse we need, a younger pulse. What are you saying? You want someone younger to look after them? I think I am. It's not that you're old or anything. It's just that you're not as young as as the person that we want. Come on, Howard. I brought these kids to you. I, I discovered them. You can't get rid of me just like that. Look, they're recording their CD tomorrow. They're about to be big. They need me. No, they don't. I hate to disillusion you, but they're young people. In a band, they have loyalty only to themselves. They'll forget you like the cuckoo lays his eggs in another nest and flies away without a word of thanks. No, 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 don't. They're not like that. Believe me, Dean. I'm doing you a favor. Rachel, you're just really overreacting. Listen, looking young is a woman's biggest battle. If you're not properly armed, well, then you're beaten before you start. We need weapons. We don't need a nuclear arsenal. Anyway. Why conform to what people want you to look like? Well, because when you look old, no-one wants you. Oh, that's rubbish. Look, you know when the air goes out of a balloon and it becomes all sad and wrinkly and no-one wants to play with it? Yeah. Well, I don't want to be a saggy, sad balloon. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. So Dean comes around, obviously very sad. Um, (laughs) He breaks this news to the band that he's not going to be their manager anymore. And they're all upset. Hannah, uh, this is quite sweet, where Hannah asks him whether he'll stay if Bradley starts tidying his room more. Yeah. (laughs) She's just heard like, it's like a divorce happening or something like, dad's going to leave. Will you stay if I tidy my room more? Yeah, they keep trying to shift the ages and relationships of all these people. I think they come up with lines they want to use and just go, this man is not their dad and he's probably in his 40s at this point and then their 20s. 
So, but let's go with it anyway. And Braddy just gets to nod and be like, I will tidy my room. Bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. Yeah, because he tells them that he's been fired because he's too old. And Bradley goes off on a sort of tangent where he's like, oh, you're not old. I mean, you are compared to us, but not like, you know, ancient, like Father Christmas. I, I mean, I, Dean's just staring at him like this is not helping. That's Bradley's biggest monologue in this episode. I hope he gets more to work with in other episodes because... Yeah, this is the thing, because there's seven of them, it's usually like at least one or two of them get sidelined in each episode. Like they have to rotate the the spotlight around because there's so many of them. I thought there were only six. <laughs> there will be soon when Paul leaves. <laughs> God. Maybe um. how it is from the future. He <laughs> yes. knows. It's something about how with sunglasses and like... The, the shoulders on his suit are too big. There's there's some sort of, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just get time travel film vibes from him. Like, he's wandered onto the wrong set. We need a Howard special, like his <laughs> adventures. Yeah, you, there's a 1950s one. Again, I Wikipedia'd hard for this yeah. pod. I'm concerned about that because I'm wondering what happens to Bradley. Like, I bet they do not confront racism in that episode. Oh, no, of no. course not. <laughs> no, no, no. There's a bit of sexism in the episode where the boys at the time are kind of talking to the girls a bit funny and then the s club boys are kind of intervening like don't talk to her like that go on the club boys um <laughs> i think that yeah i'd prefer if we're going to have another time travel special we're definitely not getting one these are shows from 20 years ago but if we are howard to the future i'd say that at soho theater next uh <laughs> next december it could be good so yeah dean has broken this news to them he leaves and he's sort of, you know, welling up a little bit as he walks out. I, I like how Rachel, Tina and John aren't even in the room for this conversation. Yeah, it's I'm... just the four of them. I don't even know where John is because obviously we've seen the two girls are in the bathroom, aren't they? Where is John at this point? He's just not there. No. And he, yet he's present at really important moments for Rachel to, tell, to not tell her useful things. But yeah, I noticed that. that they didn't even gather the room. But it's Dean was trying to downplay his news because he was so sad so they didn't know to but I just wanted to hold Dean as he left like I had a lot of feelings about Dean I can't lie yeah bless I don't him. feel good about and, them so and they're all quite upset aren't they and Rachel yeah. walks in and is like they're crying over my lost youth <laughs> see if Rachel was trying to be funny that would be amazing um <laughs> but she the character means it so you're like uh, I didn't uh um yeah this I just feel like a man who has a very dim view of women at this moment in his life has written certainly Rachel's lines, mm-hmm. probably Tina's as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, when they're at the studio the next day, they meet this new manager and he doesn't make a great first impression. There's a weird bit where he's sort of like talking to his grandma on the phone, isn't he? He's like, bye grandma. Like, I don't know, is, is that supposed to imply like, oh, he's really young. <laughs> like he's talking to his grandma <laughs> on the phone. I, it felt a bit like, a pickup artist trick of like, I'm a really nice guy. I like chat to my grandma, <laughs> but then he turns out to be really bad. Also, what is the temperature in this place? Cause like everyone's wearing different things. He's got some full leather matrix situation yeah. going on. People are wearing jumpers or like no sleeves or like John's got the biceps out. All the boys pretty much got the biceps out. Not Paul. Sorry. Not Paul. Um, so I've got. Paul- 
Paul always has massive clothes on. <laughs> Paul's a classic like emo 90s teenager. Like he definitely wears fans, the same pair for the last five years. And uh, like, I just want to know what the temperature is. No one's giving me anything here. Like, come on, guys. Yeah, the band are pretty much exclusively in like tank tops all the time. There's a lot of tie dye in this episode. Like, I think Rachel wears tie dye for like every outfit. And then Tina's also got like a matching top on at some point. It's like, that's a rule in the band. Someone has to be wearing tie dye at all times. Do you think that's how they know which scenes are in? Like Rachel and Tina have got a load of scenes together in this episode. Tie dye, (laughs) tie dye them. (laughs) Yeah, this guy, he doesn't even look that young. I think maybe it's the sort of leather jacket is like, and the weird, he's got sort of like spiky hair, isn't he? Like they've tried to make him a bit like the Dear Evan Hansen thing. They're trying to make him look younger. Therefore he looks older because they've made all these efforts to make him look younger i just don't know what look they're going for with him um but there's a sense that he's a bad man he's a bad man yeah he tells them that dean is history like vinyl and he's the future like mp3 he seems to be wearing vinyl at this point as well so i just i don't (laughs) know what his deal is yeah that was a weird line again the children watching it are like what's vinyl (laughs) To be fair to him, we are still using MP3s-ish. Like, that's what the file is on a computer. Yeah, um, it's, it seems weird to say it as like a cool thing, though. Like, maybe he's for the future, future as well, but I, but only five years <laughs> he can't get any further. <laughs> Legally, he's not allowed because his grandma won't let him. Um, I, I think he's been doing some time travelling too. I think the Matrix is present in this episode. Um, could, is it possible to get to Seed's Corner about this show? No, Has, I would wonder. Was this was this after the Matrix? I can't. I can't That's remember what year. Good question, isn't it? This is November two thousand one, isn't it? I'm gonna mm-hmm. do a quick Google. Um, yeah, from Howard and Huey. I'm getting Matrix vibes. Nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. maybe it did influence the costume department. <laughs> Oh dear. The band start recording their, their exciting new CD. Um, and the song they're recording is Stronger, uh, i.e., Tina's song, which I was always a big fan of because Tina was my favourite. So that was a, a good one on the album for me. Um, I'm at this point, we don't get to hear it all the way through because, spoilers, when they perform a whole song at the end of the episode, it's not this one. Yes. And um, I've got that, like, that's, I was watching it again, just had it on while I was getting my computer set up for the recording and it, they film them like from inside the producer's room so you've got the reflections which is a bit arty um so yeah like i'm loving this art school avant-garde episode um so much attitude joe just standing there joe is from my hometown of romford so it's good to mm-hmm. see one of my people also but things with joe Again, you know what she gets up to later on, particularly in Celebrity Big Brother House. Yeah. So just everything. I'm like, she's one of my peoples, but also she would not think that. And um, <laughs> uh, uh, like, Joe, you're going to, uh, what are you going to do in the future? Yeah, it's impossible to watch this without me. I, I feel like I'm a time traveller watching this. There's a lot of time travel in this. <laughs> I got too into it. <laughs> That's the running theme. It is an episode about ageing. So yeah, yes, time is definitely coming into it. The question. Um, they're, they're all annoyed with Huey, aren't they? Because he he kind of keeps giving them criticism, but not constructive criticism. He's just basically like, do better, and doesn't really tell them what to do. And so they're all getting pissed off. This feels like a writer using stuff from their life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah. 
he's done the divorce now he's doing the oh just don't get proper feedback like what's wrong with it and it's like no what's wrong with you sir so yeah they're pretty angry joe says this geezer's a muppet love it possibly the most british thing anyone's ever said yeah and there's a weird little scene where john and paul try calling dean and they get through to his voicemail (laughs) which is like i can't get to the phone right now because i've been stabbed in the back (laughs) i did (laughs) love that yeah i did love that and i did think if we use voicemail i might change mine to that or i might start (laughs) sending voice notes to my friends who don't know i'm doing this so no they would get worried actually It, it doesn't work if you don't know the context but it's amazing you like of all the things you do when you get fired from a job that's that was on his list um <laughs> so i need to change my outgoing message immediately if anyone I, I, needs to get hold of me <laughs> yeah they'll know that i'm having an emotional I, I fell for him more i've got to be honest with you that this is one of one of his priorities um yeah bless yeah. him and john is like oh i really hope he hasn't done anything silly like, yeah. again bit dark and he did this really weird finger motion didn't he like yeah, because he's like, um, I hope he hasn't done something silly. Like, you know, something silly and does like a gesture, but it's like, what are you doing? It's like anti-jazz hands. So instead of going outwards, they kind of went inwards. <laughs> I just, I was like, John, what? Children what are watching. <laughs> definition of something silly. I mean, it's, it's really hard to tell, isn't it? But what actually he is doing is very silly. So maybe John was thinking that and got it right. Yeah, I hope he hasn't done something silly like Star Vegetable Garden. <laughs> yeah, on a rock beach. It's in a car, I, isn't it? I mean, we'll get there. And I, I love how in this scene, John and Paul are so worried about Dean and they decide they need to find him immediately. Cut to the very next scene and John is like quizzing Rachel on the beach to find out if she's really getting old. <laughs> it's like, uh, yes. come on, John, priorities. A few minutes ago, you were like, oh my God, we need to find Dean now. He might have done something silly. Maybe John's just like, I'm going to check on all the ageing people in my life at this point. And it's like, that's reach John. out. Yeah. Yeah. Reach for the old stars. Oh. I don't know if John has like got this quiz from Cosmo or something or if he's made it up, but um, I like to imagine he's made it up himself. But he asks Rachel if she owns more than one cardigan, <laughs> which, yeah, as a symptom of like ageing, I don't think that's very good. No, I I own loads. I don't know how old that makes me very old. Like, although as we said before, S Club are pretty much exclusively in tank tops, like all the <laughs> yeah. time. So maybe for a young person in the year two thousand and one, it was like, what you've got your arms covered up. You must be ancient. What does that make Huey, who's wearing a full leather situation? Does it make him a hundred? But he's talking to his grandma. Like double standards. Firstly, for men and women. Um, but secondly, we don't know what temperature it is. So she's allowed cardigans. Very, yeah, very weird. Not, didn't help. Yeah, John also shows her a framed photo of, is it Barry Manilow? I've got no idea who this man is. I, you passed the test. You're not old. I'm, I'm clearly old. Because I think, actually, I've just realised, I wrote down Barry Manilow and then when I watched it again, I didn't bother to like check. So I, I think it's Barry Manilow and it's like a framed picture. Yeah. Like John has like, got that out of his own bedroom or something. So he's been like, Dean, quick, something silly. Like, I'm worried for his life. But wait a second, I'll get the frame Barry Manilow that I have in my room. How does that make John um, just a conundrum, this this young man? What is going on with him? 
Because he shows her this picture and is like, do you recognise this man? <laughs> it's and- a very funny prop. But when you dig, dig dig into it, you're like, why does he have this at this moment? Is that what we did before we really had phones? <laughs> like, you could just show someone a photo of something. It's like you had to bring along a framed photo and be like, who's this? Yeah. Did you just have to be like, give me three days. I'm going to source a photo. <laughs> Amazing. And yeah, Rachel doesn't know who he is, but she asks if he's on QVC yes. and John's like, well, QVC, maybe you are old. And that really took me back to the days where, you know, streaming wasn't available yet and you would just kind of flick through the channels and sometimes you would watch QVC for a few minutes. Like, I don't think I've watched QVC in like 15 years, but I think I probably watched it quite regularly when I was a teenager just because it was on. Yeah, there wasn't, you know, there's was just stuff to put in front of your eyes essentially but this this for me the macrame is is a reference which is very weird but th- this for me if i didn't know how asexual they were in the show this felt like flirting between john mm. and rachel and because it's so ridiculous and because he's carrying on the theme when she isn't and it's so cheeky and the, the prop with the picture the framed photo it's just so funny if it'd be fun well it's funny if you forget about the dean life-saving situation which we do <laughs> um this is the priority at this time yeah and so yeah it strikes me as like flirting but i, I don't think that's actually what the show is aiming to do with any of them um but it's weird and again tina is just there <laughs> Like she's kind of joined at the hip with Rachel in this episode and she's just kind of there. And she also kind of joins in with the like, oh yeah, I don't know who he is either, but I think he is off QVC. It's like, why are you here? What are you contributing to this scene? Do you get all your tie dye from QVC? Like what's going on? (laughs) This is Dean. I'm sorry I'm not here to take your call, but I've been stabbed in the back. Don't bother to leave a message because I won't get back to you. He's gone. I hope he hasn't done anything silly. You know, like something silly. We have to find him. I know. Because if I have to spend one more day with that Hugh bloke, I'm going to go mad. Okay, Rachel, question one. Do you read gardening books for fun? And do you own more than one cardigan? Uh, no. Good. Do you push in at the bus queue and then complain about how the youth today have no manners? No. Oh, but you do moan a bit. Do you recognise this man? Mmm, no. You see, you're fine. Hang on a minute, isn't he that lovely guy from QVC who sells the macrame sets? Oh yeah, he's a lovely boy. Mm, lovely. Hang on a minute, did you just say QVC? Yeah. And macrame? Mm-hmm. You see, we're practically dead already. And then we get the most pointless scene I've ever seen in this show. It's like 10 seconds long and feels incredibly stilted. Basically, Paul and Hannah are in a cafe. Bradley joins them and asks if they found Dean yet. They say no. Joe then comes in and goes, all right, guys, I found Dean in a really sort of neutral way. And Paul goes, oh, great. Awkward silence. End of scene. (laughs) It was like the most unnecessary, like, surely we could have just skipped ahead to them, like, going to see Dean. And you could have put some, like... ADR in like oh we found Dean great but it's like no we have to have this weird scene where they're like in a cafe and Joe comes in and goes I found Dean. I wonder if their contracts meant they had to be in each episode for a certain amount of time because <laughs> these are the four underused players in this episode aren't they? 
pretty much. Yeah, Br- Bradley needs to say something. He needs to go, have we found Dean yet? Yeah, or, or else they're in breach of contract and he sues them. So I think that's what's going on. Like, what is this cafe? Where are they? Is this where they get framed pictures from? Do they steal them from cafes? Like, none of these things are answered. And Joe's tone is bizarre. Like, we are worried about this man. <laughs> and I read it as a bit like, possibly that something's happened like i don't know it's very yeah. neutral but she's not like happy they found him and it's like it's dean your manager you guys are worried about him and she's just like mm, he's been found and the way it's like they kind of leave it a bit too late to cut it at the end because they're just like oh great and then they don't move and then the scene ends <laughs> yeah. it's like they don't rush up immediately to go and get dean no they're just like four three two one tell my agent i've done my minutes thank you i'm off to the beach (laughs) so yeah they go to see dean and he has apparently like completely like gone off the rails in the one day he's been without (laughs) s club (laughs) wouldn't we all wouldn't we all (laughs) (laughs) he doesn't know what to do with himself how is he supposed to go on um and he's like got this sort of little it's like a sort of portable vegetable garden like it's in a little sort of um (laughs) a wheelbarrow or something isn't it (laughs) the portability is so joyous but he's managed to wheel it onto the most hostile landscape for wheels imaginable (laughs) not just a pebble beach but full-on rocks yeah and it's he's not near the water and he's just like talking to these vegetables which he couldn't have grown in one day so this has been going on for some time yeah, he picks up a courgette, doesn't he? And it's like, that's clearly from like the local supermarket. You haven't just like pulled that out of the, the soil. Yeah, and then someone says, is that a rocket? Yeah, and he calls it a zucchini, doesn't he, obviously, because he's American. And I was expecting them to make a joke about that, but they don't. No. So it's just a very weird conversation where it's like, oh, it's a, I think it's Hannah, isn't it? Again, Hannah needs something to do in this episode. She makes a weird comment about... Oh, it's a rocket ship. Oh, sorry. I thought we were saying uh, what it looked like. Yeah. And it's like, no, Hannah, this this man's on the edge. <laughs> Be careful. They're all sort of looking at each other, aren't they? Like, this is not good. He's uh, He's gone downhill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so quickly. Uh, and it, again, you're just thinking, what are the children taking from this show that you lose your job, you immediately lose your mind? Start talking to vegetables. Because we see later, don't we? There's like a scene where he's clearing out his desk. So he's not even like done that yet. And he's just immediately lost the plot completely. <laughs> he's gone straight to his portable allotment. And, and he's being all like, um, the vegetables are my clients now. I don't need the music industry anymore. <laughs> oh my God, I just want to hold him. Oh, bless him. Because Paul asks him if he'll come back and manage them again. And I don't think Paul's really got the power to do that because they were they weren't the ones who fired him to begin with. But Paul is now at this point like, please come back. And Dean says no, um, and he wants to know when their CD is coming out because he wants to play it to his cucumbers. I mean, what do you do with that? What do, is, Poor Dean. It's it's quite like a. I mean, Prince Charles got a lot of flack for speaking to his plants, and then we have this. So. I just, it's it's a terrible study of a descent into madness. And again, I would love to see it in black and white with some <laughs> RT lighting. But who has a, who has a portable allotment? Also, could that be a, a kind of a solution to the lack of allotments that we have in the UK? Because people are on waiting lists and you can just make your own, walk around with it. 
in like a sort of trolley. Yeah, I mean, it is a deeply disturbing scene. Nothing could say any louder, Dean is not okay. Yeah, and, and is it Dean who is alone again in the episode's title? Is it kind of like, oh, you know, the band came into his life and now they're out of it and he's alone again. But we don't really know much about Dean before he met the band. No, and like, it does strike me as worrying that this man in his 40s is this emotionally attached to a group of 20-something people and that his worth is so linked to them. Like, does he not have other clients? Was he a one client agent it could be why he was getting fired (laughs) i don't who even knows at this point (laughs) i can't remember i think in the first episode of this series there was a kind of threat that was like you need to sign a new act for the the agency again the guy who was giving him this threat has not appeared since so i don't know (laughs) who this guy was like it seemed to be his boss in some way and was like oh you need to sign a new act today otherwise you're gone and he did, and it was S Club. But then now it's like, the can record labels even fire the manager of a band? Like, is it not up to the band to choose who their manager is? I, I, I personally don't know. Yeah, um, I don't know. It seems a bit weird. The record label is like surely a separate thing. I don't know. And it's, it's very keen on like instant, just like do this instantly, like, Surely relationships with bands don't happen overnight. Um, but I'm going to say that person who disappeared from the first episode, 100% a time traveller. There's there's a theory <laughs> I'm I'm forming here. Mm. All the like guest characters in this series are time travellers. <laughs> when S Clubs ever went back to the 50s, they like caused some sort of rip to happen. Hello, Jane. Hey, guys. Great to see you. How you doing? We're good. How are you? You know what? I have finally found real life. No deadlines, no deals, no hassles with executives who don't know what's going on. I am finally a happy man. Let me show you something. You know what this is? A space rocket? No, it's a zucchini. Oh, sorry, I thought we were guessing what it looked like. Stop it, you're just confusing him. It's all right, Dean, it's a zucchini. Right, and I don't need a contract with this zucchini. I just plant it, it grows, then I pick it and eat it. That is great. That's amazing. Uh, Dean, we were wondering, you know, if you'd consider coming back and representing us. Oh. I'm sorry, guys. That whole crazy music biz life is behind me now. I have a whole new world of clients. Vegetables and flowers and fruits. (laughs) They may not play their own instruments. They're not that cute. Especially the artichokes, but they make sweet music for me. So the band are then in the studio again. Tina is singing her solo bit of the song and Huey has the audacity to interrupt her. Um, And again, he doesn't have anything constructive to say. He's just kind of like, no, 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 it needs to be better. And Joe like leans into the mic and is like, I don't know how you got this job, but I tell you something, you're useless at it. I mean, Joe will not stand for our girl Tina being treated like that. And thank you, Joe. Yeah, they're all quite supportive of each other in this one scene. Because I think John as well is like, what do you mean? No, no, no. <laughs> like, really sticking up for Tina. They're like, how dare you interrupt Tina when she's singing stronger? They they all know where the value in that band lies. And it's with, with T-Pain. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I'm disappointed we don't get the full version of this song because I don't think it's in the rest of the series either. This is like it. This is the only spotlight Tina's getting musically. She was very, she was given very little of the band's PR, I felt. And it just seems weird because it does feel like she was quite talented. Um, not at comforting people, but that's not why <laughs> she's there. But the singing and the dancing, I, I feel like she was the best one. But yeah, criminally kind of not given the spotlight. But um, well... You know, with all the time travel going on, maybe someone will will change things and give Tina her due. But you just wanted John to turn up with like a selection of framed photos and be like, Huey, who, who are these people? You, you are not a man of the moment. Yeah, that is the ultimate test from now on. Do you know this man? <laughs> Clearly, I'm older than you because I I think Apparently it's about oh, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is someone else, and I I have passed the test. He's got he's got the hair of a. 70s era Manolo right like but it could be a lot of different people I'm gonna go back and double check because I forgot to do that but I'm pretty I immediately saw it the first time and was like oh I think that's Barry Manolo so I have to double check yeah I mean we want to know if we're right or wrong because it's clearly a big test yeah Howard comes in at this point and the band are like we can't work with Huey he doesn't understand us and Howard gets again another pretty decent line where he's like oh that's probably just the English accents he'll get used to it he also calls Paul Pete which I enjoyed I did quite like that I don't know why I I don't mind well even though we know that Paul's life gets sadder it's quite funny when people slack him off a bit he reacts quite well I think is probably why yeah, he's sometimes a bit of a punching bag in this show, but I do I quite enjoy it. I don't know why. There's something about Paul where it's just like, yeah, let him have it. He can take it. <laughs> Whereas Tina, absolutely not. It's <laughs> just like, what do you mean, no, no, no? John is furious. <laughs> so the band kind of announced that they're going on strike, don't they? Because they don't want Huey as their manager. And Rachel, still having a a crisis, is like, yeah, life's too short. It's drifting away. And before you know it, it'll soon be over. This, yeah, I mean, again, like, they are taking a stand against capitalism by going on strike. Love that for them. And then Rachel's very, like, existential line. I don't know. I just started thinking about that worker and, what was it called? That, like, parody cartoon in The Simpsons where it's like a parody of an Eastern European cartoon. Worker and Parasite. Worker and Parasite. <laughs> and I just felt like S Club were having a political awakening at this point. Like, how how do they go and strike? What lines do they pick it? How, like, <laughs> physically, how does this work? Love the thought of it. Would have liked to have seen that episode. Um, but I think too political for the man writing it. So... Uh, Going on strike basically means for them that they go home and then barricade themselves in their own house. And yet when I watched this for the first time the other day, I kind of zoned out for a minute because I was just thinking about something else. And then when they started barricading themselves in the house, I was literally like, what what has led to this? Like, what conversation has led to this point where you're barricading yourselves in the house? And I rewound it and was like, Okay, I kind of get it now, but it's still quite a flimsy excuse. It's bizarre. Like they do, do they reference Home Alone, don't they? And yeah, so they're going on strike because they think, and so they're on strike, and then they're like, the record label are going to come and throw them out of the house. Oh my god! See again, the anti-capitalist stance is amazing, right? They're squatters at this point because they're yeah. on strike. They've not, they've been fired, haven't they? 
Yeah, it's kind of unclear because Joe, that, that's it, because Howard is like, oh, well, you know, if you won't work with Huey, then I'll drop you from the label. And Joe is kind of like, go on then, sack us. And then the scene's over. So we're not really sure how they've left things, like if they've just walked out or if Howard has gone, well, you are fired then. But they, they're kind of like... They're, they're spiraling, aren't they? They're kind of like, well, we need to barricade ourselves in the house, clearly. That's what we need to do at this point. Yeah, so they're going for home alone. They think, oh, we can't live in this house anymore if we've been fired. But they are going to squat like it's the 1990s in Berlin. It's amazing. Um, this is a very political show it's emerging. And I, I for one, am here for it. Um, and then we get to see some of Hannah's World War II memorabilia. And that is a curveball I didn't expect. Because, yeah, we get a montage of them building this barricade, John preparing for his later role in Les Mis. Um, and they're also, they're kind of setting up booby traps, aren't they? But it isn't really as elaborate as Home Alone. It's like there's, it took me a few watches to get what the point of this was. It's like a big plank of wood suspended in front of the door with like a massive pile of bricks on it. So <laughs> like, many bricks! Probably enough to kill someone. Yeah. And there's a shot where Tina is like setting it up bit brick by brick. And then she kind of turns back and is like, yeah, like really proud of it. Because she choreographed some bricks. So I'm um, <laughs> go on our girl. Um, it is weird. They could definitely murder someone with that stuff. Um, there would be intent. It's a, yeah, terrible it's a lot of bricks. I mean, if they took down Howard that way, they would be in more trouble. <laughs> or any of the guys. Who do they think is coming? Like, what if someone like the postman just comes around? Like, they've blocked up every entrance in these kind of dangerous ways. I think, doesn't John say something about, like, he's wired something up to the doorbell yes. so it'll shock people? <laughs> Calm yeah. down, John. Like, how much time have they had? I mean, John is someone who managed to finagle a framed photo of possibly Barry Manilow from the 70s. And I'm, I'm just like... <laughs> I've just like wound back to that scene. We open on that scene in the beach with John just casually walking along with a giant frame photo under his arm and <laughs> Tina and Rachel on either side. But you don't notice this is the beauty of TV. If you're not expecting something and it doesn't mean anything to you, you just don't look at it. And Maybe then, he's had it throughout the whole show and <laughs> we didn't know. He's yeah. been waiting for this moment to whip it out and he just has it with him at all times for comfort. Maybe it's the key to who he is and who all of them are. But yeah, I like to think of him shoveling things and using that photo somehow, but he's rewiring the bell. Like, who is he? A secret handyman. They think that reporters are going to come to the house who they can then tell about how badly they've been treated. Oh, man. Getting the message out. They're really kind of overestimating their own importance <laughs> here. Like the reporters are going to come and see the S Club 7 have uh, barricaded themselves at home, even though we haven't had our first CD yet. <laughs> I mean, they needed Instagram so badly. If they had Instagram, this could be the start of a revolution. Yeah, definitely. Because Rachel says she can audition to be a TV presenter at the same time in case they all need to find new careers. <laughs> Very forward thinking. She did. That's because she's so old now. She's always thinking <laughs> it. Bless her. It's nice to see her talking about something apart from her own mortality. Yeah. Which is not. She's thinking ahead. Her life isn't over yet. Is that a sentence anyone in a podcast has ever said about Rachel Stevens before? <laughs> always banging on about her mortality. <laughs> That is a new character trait, existential Rachel. <laughs> I quite like it. There needs to be an Instagram account, no context, <laughs> existential Rachel. There's also, there's a bit where Hannah is like 
swinging a paint tin around because that's going to be another booby trap and she just like whacks Paul in the face and Bradley's just kind of standing at the side like oh you guys that um that dive from Paul is amazing because he's about 15 miles away from the paint can <laughs> yeah <laughs> he puts his all into it and I've got to give him credit for that fair play to you mate yeah Paul is often like the kind of slapstick guy <laughs> like he gets given that sort of thing to do with varying success yeah, like he did it, but he did it so long before the cam was anywhere near him. You're like, okay, safety, safety. And you think in a show for children, they make that bit not realistic. And yet there's so much about aging and death and madness. Because they go through a checklist, don't they? <laughs> to make sure they've blocked up every entrance. And they have done, but they don't have any food in the house. <laughs> Falling oh at the God. first hurdle. The first rule of having a siege, isn't it? Um, I love that Joe, of all people knows what a siege entails like <laughs> what is this hidden history of romford that i didn't know about was was there a time when liberty one which is a shopping center that was built in the 90s and was so new like it was the future back then was that once was she was barricaded in there like what went on i just yeah uh, joe's been in many a siege before she knows what to do i mean romford's had its problems but Wow, just where has she learnt this stuff? Yeah, this is the point, isn't it, where Dean is like packing up his stuff in his office um, and Howard comes in and is immediately like, you need to come back, the band have quit. Um, I don't really know how important the band are to this record label, but clearly Howard doesn't want to just drop them. He's like, no, no, we'll just get Dean back and they'll come back. Um, again, I quite like this Howard bit. It's a bit odd, but Dean is like, oh, you need help. Are you having trouble with your legumes? And Howard goes, a little bit, but that's not it. Yeah. <laughs> like, is that a double? Is that like a double entendre or something? Yeah, legumes are such... Again, French. Um, <laughs> it's... Maybe they are operating on a different level to the rest of the show. There's something else going on. It's time. It's a time travel thing. I, I swear it's a La Jete thing. Again, I, I refuse to believe yeah, every, it. Everything Howard says has like a special, like other meaning. What are the legumes of the future like? Well, I'll tell you. Um, and also, would you not? Okay. So it's weird that Howard's, no, it's weird that Dean is only um, like emptying his desk at this point. As he mentioned, that is odd. Um, so he hasn't even, really left but how was asking to come back in his own office that's weird but <laughs> it's weird that dean is bringing the vegetable chat into the office because you would try and hide that you've gone fully sort of allotment you've pivoted to a portable allotment wouldn't you you just keep that on the down low yeah because he's he's getting very into it isn't he doesn't he ask howard something like have you ever felt some tomatoes in your hand or something yes! like that and again i think howard gives quite a cryptic answer he says something like oh not since i was in college yes <laughs> what are you talking about yes i want so much more from these two um i want a whole spin-off show which is history's taught us didn't happen um yes i can only speculate what they're talking about um tomatoes what are they <laughs> It's like, have you ever held some tomatoes in your hand? Dean is so into his veg garden, but as soon as Howard asks him to come back, yeah. he's like, drops it completely. He's he's kind of flattered, isn't he, that the band have like quit 
because of him. Like that's kind of the big gesture that he needed to actually come back. He's like, oh, they they put their careers on the line for me. Um, quite sweet. Dean looks pretty happy. It is quite sweet. I mean, this this episode doesn't set up any stakes whatsoever or almost sets up really massive stakes of like, look, Rachel's got grey hair, she's going to die imminently. And we just get no sense, yeah, as you said, of like how important the band is to the label, what options Dean has, because surely he has a reputation in the industry and surely he's done other jobs in the industry. He just goes full allotment. Like (laughs) people's reactions are so huge, but yet at the same time, everything's reversible oh you didn't like that oh you had a really bad reaction to that let's just flip reverse it yeah yeah okay come back yeah bizarre yeah those are the two options there's club seven or allotment (laughs) it's one or the other as as it always is in life at the house they're all sort of like pacing around with weapons aren't they like paul's got a frying pan bradley's got a rolling pin paul thinks there's going to be a swat team showing up soon (laughs) again delusions of grandeur i mean has he been holding tomatoes is uh, my question. <laughs> and this is the bit where Hannah's got the soldier's helmet on and she's like looking out with binoculars. What What is happening here? Like, it's not even home alone. I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I started to dissociate at this point. <laughs> I felt my soul leave my body and... Yeah, they're like seven adults and they've like put this together like it's so much worse than what that little child did in Home Alone. It's yes. like seven adults and it's like a budget version of Home Alone. And like the booby trap on the door will fully kill someone on the front door. So that's like a... <laughs> like when's the shoe going to drop? That's a Chekhov's gun, isn't it? And yeah, I just, I'm like, what am I watching? I... I want to know more about Rachel's grey hair at that point, to be honest with you. Yeah, definitely an episode of Two Hearts. Like, that is long gone, although it does come back at the very end, so we have a resolution. Um, This bit did make me laugh a bit, where um, Bradley's kind of messing around and he's pretending to be, like, a police officer talking through a megaphone, and he's like, come out with your hands up, and then John and Rachel walk in with their hands up because they think it's real and they look so scared. John is like, didn't you guys just hear that? Yeah, I mean, it's the most real it's going to get for them, isn't it? And yeah, and that shot is in the opening titles and I always wondered like what that was. Like the two of them walking into the room with their hands up, like they're being arrested. And now I know it's just Bradley like taking the mick. Oh, what a weird choice the opening titles. To take it from like the weirdest episode of the series and yeah like it doesn't say anything about the characters does it interesting interesting choice but john is like really wide-eyed and he's like didn't you guys hear that we're gonna be arrested immediately he wants it doesn't he He wants some excitement in his life like i feel like he's latching onto things because he's so bored like here's a use for my barry Meadow frame picture oh let's just needle Rachel for a bit oh oh don't don't ever go Tina oh what's happening oh like he's a bored man he's a bored young man yeah he he needs something going on um and we get well this is all over very quickly basically they're all like oh somebody's coming uh they're all worried Rachel grabs a vase like she's gonna you know knock someone out um and they realize it's just Dean he tells them he's back Huey's been dropped everyone's happy and then he runs towards the house and they're all like 
no and there's a kind of off-screen like crashing sound because we would assume dean has been crushed to death i know <laughs> he hasn't, he's got a mild injury in the next scene but he, he's clearly like walked and triggered the uh the bricks trap i was like oh dean dean's gonna be dead now this is this is terrible they need a new manager after all poor dean and yeah, they're going to handle the death terribly. They'll probably hold the funeral next to his port- portable allotment. And oh, but but thankfully he's not dead. I don't know how. Yeah, in the next scene, he's got a sort of he's got his arm in a sling and he's got like a bandage on his head. Yeah, it's <laughs> like a cartoon it. kind of like yeah. When someone gets like absolutely, they're, they're killed in a cartoon and they turn up in the next scene alive. And and he has that kind of dazed, drunken look of happiness, like. They nearly killed me, but they wanted me back. I'm so happy. Yeah, because the way this song is framed, it's like they're kind of serenading him because it's um, <laughs> they're singing Sunshine. Again, I'm furious that they're not singing Stronger in its entirety. They're just they're skipping past that one. They're, they're singing Sunshine. And the lyrics are very like, you know, now that we're together, things are only going to get better. And they're just kind of directing it at Dean, who's just sitting there like in a cast. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you just really start to think what else is going on in Dean's life. Like, I really, I really hope there's more. We we got quite a bit of insight, and it doesn't feel like there's more. But he shouldn't see being serenaded by a group of twenty somethings as the highlights of his week. And I feel like he does. Bless him. Oh, He's dear. kind of like nodding along to the music, isn't he? With a bit of an ouchy, ouchy. Oh, oh, forgot. I have got so many injuries, which were inflicted on me by these people. Yeah, <laughs> but it's all okay now. We're back together. <laughs> it's all up from here. Yeah, I wonder if it is. Only, only your next episode of the podcast will let us know, right? I will never find out. This song is quite sweet. I've had it in my head this week, like the chorus bit, which is quite repetitive. <laughs> Did you enjoy this song at all? It was lovely. It was really lovely. It was a weird end to a very strange episode. Um, I guess they like to end on a happy note. I, I think that's the one note the writers have to hit, right? Make sure it's happy in the end. Yeah, because after the song, we get the Rachel existential storyline wrapped up, don't we? Because she has this conversation with a guy who works at the studio who has been kind of there throughout the episode, but like hasn't really said anything. And he's quite young, but he has grey hair. And Rachel's being so insensitive. She's being all like, don't you feel really old because of your grey hair? Yeah, and he says it's hormonal. And I'm like, oh, okay, we're getting deep. Are they actually going to... Because, you know... It could be a thyroid thing. It could be many things. Why not? And no, they don't get any further into it. Could be hormones. But you know, it's nice to hear a man admit he has hormones because um, usually it's something that women are accused of of having. But all all human creatures have hormones. Yeah, he says he went grey at fifteen, and it's got nothing to do with age. And she sort of perks up, like, "Oh, really?" And then she asks him out really awkwardly. <laughs> it's very kind of like, um, "So maybe we should go out sometime." <laughs> and he's like, "No, sorry, you're a bit young for me." And she's obviously thrilled. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's really fun. It's really odd turn turning down from him. Um, because how old is he? Yeah, he looks like her age. Yeah, just happens to have grey hair. Um, and also, Rachel, you can't just be asking people out around the studio. That's a bit awkward in the workplace, isn't it? Um, 
puts him in a- and she has just been kind of insulting him by being like so what's your gray hair all about then yeah and it just i don't know like for him he's in this kind of um not no, she's she's the star. Like he's in an awkward position, and I'm like Rachel. You can't just corner a guy like that. But I'm I'm glad she's happy. I'm glad she no longer feels she's going to be a deflated balloon. No one wants to play with. Because um, it just sort of ends with a shot of her, like a freezed shot of her, sort of grinning, isn't it? Like I am still young after all. Thank God. Male validation saved the day. Woo! Although it wasn't entirely validation. Um, he did turn her down. But we gloss over that is because she's too, quote unquote, young. Um, a weird ending to a bizarre episode. <laughs> um, so many questions. Um, I really hope Dean is okay, in both physically and mentally. Um, yeah, Dean needs to stop relying on the band so much for his mental well-being <laughs> because he it was like less than 24 hours and he just had a complete collapse. Yeah, Um how is this the first time Howard has appeared in the series? No, he's been in it a few times because okay. yeah, they like got the record deal a few episodes ago, so he kind of pops up every now and again. Yeah, intrigued to see what happens with him and Dean because there are some undercurrents there that are not for children. I think. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, any final thoughts on the episode at all before we finish? Oh wow. Um. A lot to process. So much there. The the frame photo, I think, is haunting me quite a lot. Like, <laughs> why does John have that? And it's there from the start of that scene. You just don't notice it. Um, the fact that they could have actually killed someone is concerning with the Home Alone situation. Um, and, and I have held tomatoes in my hand. And now I feel bad about it somehow. And I'm going to have to think about that for a while. So, yeah, a weird episode in a weird series for a weird time in human history. Oh, quite a bleak episode. Not not an episode I would describe as fun, particularly. No, I really there's there's a story there with the writer who was going through some stuff, and um, maybe it's better we have writers' rooms these days. So if one writer's having a really bad time in their life. Other people can say, don't just write that down. <laughs> Rain them in a little bit. Yeah. Let's write imaginary things. Yes. Happy imaginary things. Um, la question d'age. I love that it was in French. <laughs> Do we know what it is in English? Oh, it's called alone again in English. Um, alone it? again. So again, it's weird that it's not a direct translation. The French is like the yeah. question of age. <laughs> much more existential, much more like, because it's also asking like, what else could Dean be doing if he was fully fired and didn't have a job and he's in his 40s i guess so it's like dean could be on the down and outs and like literally unemployed and friendless um there is a very dark story in there um really relatable stuff for the (laughs) eight-year-olds watching (laughs) oh weird times the barry manilow reference from the 70s for children amazing um i'm gonna check how many cardigans i have in my wardrobe and see if i should throw a few out um, you need to have more tie-dye tops than cardigans. That's oh, like the ratio. I miss tie-dye. I've got nothing. Um, yeah, I just, thank you so much for bringing the show into my life. I missed it the first time around in 2001. And what I missed out on, like, oh, this could have changed me watching this at 18. Um, <laughs> it's changed you now. 
I, I am different. I am different. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's all good, but my, <laughs> my heart remains with Dean. Um, I feel for him and I hope, I hope he's okay. Hopefully several years in the future, hanging out with Howard. So before we finish, where can people find you on Twitter? And is there anything you'd like to plug? Um, yeah, you can find me at Sachandrika C on Twitter. And I suppose, what should I be plugging? I should be plugging I Miss Amy Winehouse, which is my hour-long show. Please do come and miss her with me. And thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's uh, been it, it's been a deeper experience than I <laughs> expected when you described it to me. Um, but I think I'm the better for it. Thank you for listening to this episode of It's an S-Pod Thing. It was edited by Alex Blondek with music by William Kitchener. If you enjoyed the podcast and want to let us know that we're your number one, please subscribe and leave us a good review. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.